In today's show, we're looking back at the 2020-2021 season for the Portland Trailblazers. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the Greenroom app from the iOS app store and find one of our Locked On rooms. Greenroom is changing the way that we talk sports. If you are here to talk sports with me and you are watching on YouTube, you'll notice that things look a little bit different. So what we're trying to do is just change the presentation up. So welcome to any feedback or comments or anything like that. As over the next few weeks and months, I try to tweak things and bring the presentation level a little bit higher on the video side of the show. We're just going to be working through some... Try again. Working through some things to try and make that look a little bit better. So you might see some little glitches or hiccups as I try to make sure everything runs smoothly on some new setups here and new graphics. And it'll be a little bit of a shock, I think, a little bit of a jarring change. Of course, you can see that the green screen behind me is gone. I'm just... uh, here living my uh, best life with my balls all the way out so you can see everything that's going on. So let's talk about the Portland Trailblazers you know, with the caveat that things look a little bit different. So let's talk about those, uh, those Blazers right now. Of course, they don't have a head coach at the moment. Terry Stotts was uh, mutually parted ways with at the end of the season. Um, it's a really tough job, I think, this Blazers one because you know, Lillard, does he want in, does he want out? Apparently, he wanted Jason Kidd and Jason Kidd took his name out of the running, which is a great move for the Blazers to not get Jason Kidd. Um, but Lillard's not young. He's on a bad contract. CJ McCollum is not young. He's on a significantly worse contract. Yusuf Nurkic, there's obviously issues there behind the scenes with this team that he is not particularly happy and he may not be back on this squad. They lack significant amounts of defense. Um, Neil O'Shea has made plenty of questionable moves and who they get as a coach really is going to determine quite a lot. And Dame is great. But you know, how far does he take this team? Is this going to be a team that sits in that four to seven range for three more years or two years until he wants out? And you've got no real prospects coming through. It's a really, really tough spot. They did finish 42 and 30. Of course, they uh, went out in that first round of the playoffs. They finished second in offense and 29th in defense. So you can see that stark difference. Now, a lot of that is in large part due to the fact that Yusuf Nurkic missed a lot of the season. It's due in large part to the fact that Derek Jones Jr. just didn't play and that we're getting minutes from Cantor, Mallow, and Anthony Simons as pretty much the major bench players. And that's why we've got second in offense and 29th in defense. And that was a decision that Terry Stotts made. But you're never really going to be be able to have a great defense when you've got Damian Lillard on your team because he just is not a very good um, defender. Simple as that. No, you know, not no real shade towards him. He's an unbelievable offensive player. He's just a bad defensive player, and that it's always going to make it hard to have a really strong defensive team around him, just because of where what he is as a player. They were nineteenth in pace. They do not have any upcoming draft picks in this draft. Now tra- trades can be made, of course, but they do not have any draft picks upcoming for this uh, for this draft. 
In terms of free agents, there's a lot of decisions that need to be made. Norman Powell has a player option, which he will almost undoubtedly decline. That player option is for only for about $11 or $12 million. It's going to bring up the number there, $11.6 million. He will undoubtedly decline that and become a free agent. Derek Jones almost going to definitely pick it up. $9.7 million player option and was out of the rotation. Is he getting paid almost $10 million next year by anyone if he declines that? Probably not. And then you've got a bunch of unrestricted free agents in Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Carmelo Anthony, Ennis Cantor, and Harry Giles. Yeah, Hollis-Jefferson had some moments, but he won't be a high priority. Mello, I think they'll bring him back. I'm not sure it's the greatest decision. Um, Ennis Cantor, is that the backup center you want? Harry Giles, I doubt he'll be back. But then probably the big decisions that need to be made are Zach Collins. Actually, we'll talk about him in a second. Yusuf Nurkic, his uh, contract, which is $12 million, an absolute bargain, is non-guaranteed. Now, Nurkic had some um, cryptic answers to questions post-season when you're talking about well, what's going on for next season. He's like, well, I'm, I've got a non-guaranteed contract. I'm not sure that I'll be back. I'll leave that for my agent to figure out. That's an interesting thing because you know, $12 million for use of Nurkic is a huge steal. Yeah, as the Blazers go, man, we get a guy this good for $12 million. Why wouldn't we guarantee it? But is Nurkic just like, dudes, like you pricks just won't do the right thing by me or how I should be used on the team. And, and he's definitely frustrated that he's going to be like, hey, you either cut me, waive me, trade me, do whatever. Otherwise, I'm going to create real problems. I think that, that's a possibility. So that is a massive situation to watch. And then with Nurkic, the backup Ennis Cantor, the backup backup Harry Giles, they're all, you know, they all could be gone. Nurkic non-guaranteed, Cantor and Giles unrestricted. And then the guy that theoretically would step in would be Zach Collins, who's a restricted free agent, who... Last season, had a real opportunity to be the starter next to Nurkic. Not his best position at power forward, I know. But then injuries killed his season, and then he didn't play at all this year. I do not know where Zach Collins is in terms of his NBA future. I had some decently high hopes for him. But the fact that he's missed basically two years in a row now uh, has to give me a level of concern. And in the fact that you know, we were hoping for that breakout last year from Zach, and it never came. Uh, it didn't. He played three games. We didn't get to see that. So can we still hope for a, a, a breakout? I still think in Dynasty Leagues, there's a bit of a buy-low ability here for someone uh, of the ability of Zach Collins. Because again, Nurkic, Cantor, Giles could all be gone. And they might say, well, we, we're happy just to try Zach Collins as a 27-minute-a-night center and bring in some other guys that we can rotate through that position. Maybe play Rondé, if he, bring him back. Derek Jones is a small ball center as well. I think there is some real turnover that can potentially happen there at that big man position. So if you can buy Zach Collins really low in the Dynasty League, I would try it. I wouldn't spend any sort of capital in doing it, but I would absolutely be just seeing because there is that that level of possibility. Now, he's not going to garner a big deal in restricted free agency. Well, at best, three years, 21 million, maybe. Maybe. Is someone willing to give him that? Will the Blazers give him that? The potential's still there, but he hasn't played in two years. And I'm not really sure you know, if he's the level of player that we want to spend that sort of cash on. Are you are the hiring expert for your company. What you really need is help making your shortlist of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality list of short, uh, quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster and only pay for the candidates that meet the must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. And with tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately and Indeed skills tests that on average reduce hiring time by 27%. 
If you're hiring, you need Indeed. So get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. That's a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Now we're ready to look at these players here, but of course the NBA playoffs, as I said, they're going. They're flying right through. And uh, right across the Locked On Podcast Network, our Road to the Finals coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. So let's talk about these Blazers players. If we're going to talk Blazers players, we have to start, of course, with Damian Lillard, who played 67 games this year. Now, again, he is 31 years of age. He averaged 36 minutes, 29 points, four threes, seven and a half assists, doesn't generate steals or blocks, we know that. Shot 45 from the field and 93 from the line. So those attempts from the line, really, really important. That's his best fantasy category. He was averaging 46 fantasy points, 13th in Yahoo points leagues. He was 7th in category leagues, and he had an ADP of 7, so returned that value perfectly. But I wouldn't say that this was Lillard's best season. I'd say that he had quite a few disappointments. In fact, he struggled immensely when CJ McCollum was playing at the beginning of the season. He ramped up his numbers when CJ went down. And then when CJ came back, he did lose a little bit of value, which is quite interesting. The 30% usage is a, is a really strong number, of course. And, you know, the 29 points, 8 assists, like these are all 7.5 assists. These are all pretty good. And those free throws are excellent. But if he doesn't hit 93% of his free throws and goes back to 89, which is where he was at last year, now he could still be 93, but 89 is still excellent. Yeah, that does that does lop a little bit of that value away. And that that is worth, I think, um, paying some attention to. Now, what I'm going to do here is this is where we start to, you know, obviously the presentation of the show has changed, but I'm going to add a few few different graphics in here for you to peruse as we go through it. And this is thanks to the guys over at Basketball Index. Um, Lillard was great. His APM was fantastic. It was a plus 5.8 this season, which is, uh, you know, really, really high up there. But some of the other numbers for Lillard that we, we need to pay attention to, like your yeah, huge minutes, and look at these other numbers here, like your 99th percentile in total offensive load, 100th percentile in true usage. Um, yeah, in the fact that he played in a in a lineup whose playmaking was in the first percentile, which is a great F, and the lineup's finishing ability was also great F in the 12th percentile, that just shows what he is able to do. Excellent scorer, excellent ISO player, excellent getting to the rim. His catch and three shooting was really, really good as well. But again, at age 31, what sort of drop-offs can we expect? Um, I think the getting to the rim thing is something we need to look for. I think that the fact of his um, his issue with defense could become more pronounced. And yeah, injuries is something we need to pay attention to because he has been healthy through the early part of his career, but he had you know, persistent ankle injuries over the last you know, four to five years, had another injury this season, which cost him some time. Um, and you know, it's not going to always be easy for Damian Lillard to stay healthy. It just, as you get older, that just isn't what happens. Um, Lillard's Raptor led the team easily at 6.1. Um, I just... Yeah, you know, I'm just just fiddling around here trying to get my uh, get my numbers up on the screen. Yeah, six point one. His uh, his uh, Raptor, and you can see all the other advanced metrics here. Ninety seventh percentile for LeBron at plus three point seven. His real plus minus at plus five. His Raptor at four point seven. Like all extraordinarily high grades. His defensive grades for most of these are pretty poor. Although RPM has him as a really good defender for some reason. Um, and you can have a look at other things that are important to us here. Player productivity per seventy five possessions. 
how good his scoring is, his three-pointers, his assist rate. Um, all those are, are at a really high level there as well. But then really low steals, really low blocks, really low rebounds uh, is a concern there for him. Also, yeah, excellent true shooting, which is really taken because of his high free throws and, and high free throw attempts. You can see the other stats we've got here in terms of things like um, yeah, where he excels as a pick and roll ball handler, uh, 96th percentile spot up guy is in 100th percentile. Um, you know, handoffs, uh, 88th percentile off screen, 94%. We know he's just an elite scorer. That That's just who Damian Lillard is. And we see that reflect in the numbers. So again, this is what we're going to sort of try and do. Just provide some additional, uh, an additional value to you guys who are watching on the video. And if you are listening, just audio to go check out the video as well and just see what you think about the, the different things that we're putting up, different numbers, which hopefully are able to enhance your value in, uh, in, in watching the show and in, and, uh, in listening to the show and getting some more information about these players. Let's now move on to the uh, to the next guy we're going to take a look at, and that is, of course, CJ McCullum. Now, CJ um, has some issues, I think, as a player. I think that's uh, I think that's fair enough to uh, to put on him. He um, he did exceed expectations this year, though. Only played forty seven games that broken foot. Came back probably a little bit earlier than I expected. Thirty four minutes a game. Average almost 38 fantasy points, which is 38. He was 45th in category leagues with an ADP of 51. I would have picked him in the 60s. So he definitely beat my expectations. He hit 3.6 triples per game, but that is his best category. And I'm always hesitant with blokes whose best category are three-pointers. That just takes a little bit of value away from me. He averaged 23 points, under four boards, under five assists, 0.9 steals, 0.4 blocks, almost the same as Lillard. But the difference that with Lillard in percentages, his field goals are basically the same, but instead of 93 from the line, he's at 81, and he never gets there. He just doesn't get to the free throw line at all. So he put up some really strong numbers, but the minutes were down from last season. He still did it with a really high usage. And I was pretty confused as to how high they ran his usage this year. It was a little bit, um, I wouldn't say concerning, but yeah, to have that come at the expense of Damian Lillard was um, was a curious call. And yeah, But that's just what happens sometimes. He's catching three, uh, catch and shoot three-point shooting is great. ISO stuff is great. But do you, is that what you actually need next to Damian Lillard? I think there's a huge chance that CJ is traded in this offseason. I'm not sure that he remains on this team. Um, his ability to get to the rim, really good number there as well. He's a great shooter. His playmaking is pretty good. His finishing is good. But of course, we know that defensively, CJ has his struggles. He's not a great defender at all. And he's undersized. Um, and that's just that's just something that's always going to be the case. He's a poor rebounder, although you know four rebounds is not terrible. He hits a lot of threes. He does it at solid efficiency. True shooting was 57 this year, but that was up from where he'd been below average in each of the last three seasons, so he was able to take that to an extra level. I'm just not convinced in CJ as a long-term prospect around this, around this area. He's about to turn 30, so he's a year younger than Dame. He's still got another year left, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him on another team. Now, if another team gets him and goes, we're going to make you a full-time point guard, his fantasy value jumps up because he can easily average 6 to 6.5 assists. He could move into a Malcolm Brogdon role, and he gets 27 points, 7 assists. I, I think that's distinctively possible. But he's never going to be a steals guy, a blocks guy, or a rebounds guy. And efficiency would take a big hit, I reckon, if he was uh, moving on to uh, another team. Have a look at his advanced numbers. Like LeBron, they love him. RPM loves him. Raptor loves him. Um, yeah, Box Plus Minus loves him. He's all grade A in all of these ones. But of course, like Lillard, yeah, defensive foibles. Defensive LeBron is down in the 22nd percentile. He was a negative there. The other metrics didn't hate him defensively. Like Raptor thought he was a positive in that area, which I'm a little bit curious about. But um, oh, the other one is uh, BPM, Box Score Plus Minus, didn't love him as much on the defensive end there too. 
And you can look, yeah, great scorer, great three-point shooter, really solid assist numbers. Steals and blocks, though, they do uh, they do need a little bit of work there. And we can see some of the other areas where he um, where he uh, excels. In his isolation points per possession, yeah, 98th percentile. He's an elite number, of course. Um, and we look at his you know, handoff numbers at 87th percentile. He's a fantastic number. Spot up, yeah, 100th percentile. He really, really good shooter and, and good offensive creator. But I just do think that there is a huge chance that CJ finds himself on another team. Uh, as we head into next season. Guys, tell for me to tell you again about the best tasting protein bar ever, and that is Built Bar. Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, and not only does it taste great, but it is also really good for you. Because these bars, uh, you know, high in protein, but low in calories, low in sugar, and low in net carbs. And those flavors, they're unbelievable. Nine delicious flavors, including coconut, cherry, raspberry. Love the raspberry one. Uh, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, Double chocolate, salted caramel. There's something for everyone. If you don't know what your favorite flavor is, grab a mixed box. 18 bars, nine flavors, two of each flavor. Go to builtbar.com today. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. The promo code is LOCKED15 to get yourself a tasty box of Built Bars for 15% off. LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 at builtbar.com. Okay. Um... Now, I'm just trying to get my get my bearings again. Let's flick it over to have a look at the next player, and that is Robert Covington, who, again, was criticized pretty roundly in fantasy circles this season. I wouldn't say that his season was terribly bad. He played 70 games, 32 minutes. He was the 118th player in points leagues. He's never been a good points league player. 26 fantasy points there. He finished 72nd in category leagues. And to be fair, to begin the year, he wasn't very good, but he had a really strong run when guys like Nurkic went down and then when Lillard went down, where he put up big numbers. And that was part of the problem that I had with Covington heading into the season is how is he going to subsist next to a full year of Nurkic? Well, next to Nurkic, because he hadn't played with Nurkic before, because a lot of Covington's value in Houston was like, I'm the center, so I'm blocking shots, I'm grabbing rebounds, and he doesn't have that opportunity. And then Nurkic went down, he played a lot more center. As usual, his best category was steals. His worst was his points per game, which was really a horrible, horrible number. He averaged 8.5 points, but he hit two threes, seven boards, 1.4 steals, 1.2 blocks, and shot 40%. This is really what Robert Covington is, but that usage is hysterically low. 11% usage for Robert Covington is just a number that should not be, uh, it should not be that low. Like he is a guy that needs to have the ball. He's a better player than that to have a usage that low. That is just a comically low usage number for Robert Covington. Um, if we have a look at, you know, we played you know, quite a few minutes. He you know, touched the ball quite a bit, like touches rate, touches per game, 47. That's another one of those basketball index index metrics that you can have a look at there. But his usage, yeah, phenomenally low. His true offensive load down low. But interestingly, his, his true usage is, uh, is, is a decently high, 71st percentile. That's an interesting number. So that's worth looking at. That's Seth Partnow's metric uh, of true usage. But uh, a guy that yeah, played with some good spacing around him, really good defensive stuff from him. And we know that's what he brings. Perimeter shooting, perimeter defense. They're the sort of things that, that he does. You know, really high-end deflections. Um, and this is why he's a really good player. But again, he's not young. Like he is, what, 30 years of age? He's going, yeah, 30 years of age, about six months away from turning 31. And we know that the scoring is a real problem. I wouldn't be, look, he finished 72nd in category leagues last year. I would not be um, looking at him as a guy that I draft. You know, his ADP was 60. I wouldn't be drafting him around that same area. Next year, I reckon he's probably in that 80 spot. But again, so many changes potential with Portland that uh, you know who knows where that ends up. Now, if you look at his uh, offensive advanced metrics, they're pretty poor. LeBron, um, overall, 88th percentile, grade A minus. That's really good. But offensively, 25th percentile. In real plus minus, 4th percentile. 
Raptor likes what he does a little bit more. He's uh, 62nd percentile offensively, but we see a lot of really strong defensive numbers for Robert Covington. Um, but offensively, uh, it's a real worry. And we did look, he's never been a huge, huge scorer, but his uh, usage went from 17% where it'd been the last three years down to 11%. Right? That's, that's really poor. Um, couldn't, and I think in large part, we look at this last year, he hit 49% of his mid-range shots. He doesn't take many of them. He took, he, he had 2% this year, for, uh, sorry, 23% from mid. He's finishing at the rim, which had been 60% in each of the last three years, at least down to 54%. Now, some of that's playing away from the basket more, which again is what the, the construction of the roster for, for Portland dictated. But that is also a part of that reason why some of his uh, scoring numbers weren't particularly great. But still, yeah, he provides those really strong defensive numbers, and he did that. He did that for us again this season. Let's look at the next player now up on the list, and that is uh, Stormin Norman Powell, who obviously was really strong, uh, especially early on in uh, in, in Toronto. Um, played 69 games, 32 minutes a night, and he's going to be a free agent. Powell was the 75th ranked player in category leagues. He averaged 19 points with 1.2 steals, um, shot 48 and 87%, including 41% from three. But as I have stated a million times about Norman Powell, if the shots aren't going in at these otherworldly rates, what else does he do? And, and if the minutes aren't like 36, 37 a night, which they were in large part in Port, in Toronto, then what else is he doing? Like he had a usage of 22%. He played 32 minutes a night. I, I, I'm just not convinced that a McCullum Lillard power one, two, three combination is what you need to get to where you need to get to. And you know, Powell, again, he was able to put up some strong numbers. Um, through the course of the season in the playoffs, he put up some pretty good numbers as well. He has 17 points per game uh, in that time in 36 minutes and again, shot the ball really well. And at this point, we just have to accept that Norman Powell is a really good shooter. But do we expect him to get that 22 usage that he got over the course of this season where he was 75th in category leagues? If we worry that maybe the shooting does fall off, the 53% two-pointers and 41% threes, if they do fall off at all, then of course there is a pretty big concern where his value lies, and I'm just I'm not convinced that he is as good as rankings overall tell you he is. He's 28. You know, committing 20 million dollars a year for Norman Powell I think is a huge mistake, and I like Norman Powell, but I just think it is a pretty large mistake if is that is the direction that Portland does end up going down. Um, again, I'm not I'm not sure what else he does. He's, he's a great three point shooter. He can get to the rim okay. Um, he did generate a decent amount of steals this year, 1.2 per game. But in the past, he's had some really poor steal seasons. But he's not bad at that end. He's a good finisher. Um, he does provide some okay defense. I'm just, I'm just not convinced that he is the answer to you know, who you want to be your starting three on this team. LeBron hated him as a metric, negative 1.5. That's 25th percentile. Like, that's really bad. They hated his defense. They thought he was below average offensively. Now, the other metrics don't tend to agree there. Raptor thought he was pretty solid. RPM thought he was really good, 81st percentile there. Um, box score plus minus thought he was pretty good as well. But, you know, we look at LeBron and we tie that in with luck-adjusted RAPM and he's down in the 22nd percentile. So some real worries with some of those impact metrics. Good scorer, good three-point guy, but everything else is really subpar. Or steals are pretty good. Everything else, though, is pretty subpar. And, and I do think that he is a quite volatile player in terms of production, perhaps uh, perhaps flipping as... Um, as the season or as next season begins. We'll see how that uh, how that ends up. Now, let's talk about Yusuf Nurkic because obviously 
uh, it was a really, really disappointing season for Nurkic. Now, I've given my thoughts on what I think went wrong with you know, me predict- predicting him to be a third-round player. Um, I did not know that he basically spent all of the off-season mourning his grandmother and not doing any physical work at all. I, I knew that his grandmother had died, but I didn't know that meant he flew back to Bosnia and did nothing for three months or two months. I, I didn't know that. I don't think anyone knew that. He played like 33 minutes a night in the bubble and was excellent. I went, okay, he is bona fide, the second best player in this team. They want to go somewhere with all of the poor offensive guys or defensive guys in this in this rotation. He has to play 32 minutes a night. Kant is not very good. Nurkic has to play these minutes. And he came out and he was shit. Like He was really bad. And then he broke his wrist. And then he hurt his calf. And when he came back again, he started to look good. But he played under 24 minutes a night. He was still the 73rd ranked player in points leagues, 32 a game, in 23 minutes a night. He was 96th in category leagues in 23 minutes a night. He rebounded the ball well. He didn't shoot free throws well, which was disappointing. He averaged 11 and 9 with a block and a steal. And even his block rate was down. His overall efficiency was down. It was just a really poor season from Yusuf Nurkic. I think that means he's going to slide quite significantly in drafts. But again, his future's up in the air. Is he back in Portland or not? He should be a 30-minute a night player. Like, very easily, he should be a 30-minute-a-night player. That is how good he is. In the playoffs, he averaged 13 and 10, 1.2 blocks. You know, top 50-type numbers. And I think that, you know, if he falls outside the top 50, to me, it is an absolute no-brainer to draft Yusuf Nurkic. We'll see if that's what ends up happening. But he is going to fall quite a bit because people are worried about the injuries, the calf, the, the wrist, all those sort of things. I don't think they're problems that really... Um, Come back, but he could be on another team and really thrive. He's a good passer, he's a great passer, he's a great defender, good rebounder. He can score and do a lot more than what he did on this team, where he's, um, yeah, I thought he could be used a little bit better offensively. His usage was like 22%. Yeah, I think yeah, that's probably right, 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 but it could have got a little bit higher. Um, and we look at things like his offensive load, it was not bad. I still think he can do more in that area in terms of offensively and and distributing the ball with his passing numbers. I still think he can be better in that area. But um, obviously a really disappointing season from Yusuf Nurkic, and we hope that he can get a uh, get a full run at things with a, a healthy offseason and uh, and push forward to a, to a big year next year. And I reckon get him at a bit of a discount. He's only 26. I think we need to, to remember that as well. He is 26 years of age. He's going to turn 27 in about four months, five months, but he's only 26. Um, LeBron loved him. I believe he was you know, one of the second, the second best player in this team. Plus two point one on LeBron. His um, Raptor loved him. Four plus four point three, and he was third on this team in Raptor behind CJ and Lillard. Easily, or actually, yeah, easily the best defender on this team for uh, Raptor metric point of view. His advanced stats are really hugely positive. I think that gives us some faith. And we look at this here, this player productivity chart over here. Look at all these numbers like rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. Um, scoring, like all those numbers are a shaded darker blue, which means it's on a per 75 possession basis, meaning he's right up the top level. So if those minutes go from 23 to 28 or 28 to 31, then he pushes into that top 40, top 30 pretty comfortably. And I feel pretty good about him doing that. I just hope that he doesn't have another offseason where he does no cardio whatsoever, because that was obviously a, uh, a pretty big concern for him this season. Let's look at the next player on this list, and that is Ennis Cantor. 72 games, 24 minutes, and I actually played more minutes per game than Nurkic. 
And that's because, of course, Nurkic missed a bunch of time. Cantor averaged 28 fantasy points, which was top 100 in Yahoo leagues. He was 102nd in category leagues, amazingly. Like, he is a really good fantasy producer. He averaged 11 boards per game, uh, along with 11 points. He doesn't get steals or blocks, but it's the elite percentages. He had a true shooting of 64%, 60 from the field, and 77 from the line. You know, no assists, um, you know, steals, no blocks, didn't hit any threes, and the minutes were low. He is also 29 already, uh, Enes Kanter, and no team should be valuing him as a starter or even a guy, to be honest, that plays 24 minutes a night. I just don't think that that is a, a, a push to be a winning player. Again, yeah, he's... His usage rate, not particularly high, 17%. I think he could have yeah, probably done a little bit more there because that's where his value is. Um, he's a good finisher, great in the post, really good defender, really good pick and roll sort of a player. And yeah, he played to those strengths. He can get to the rim well. Um, he can screen, good good screener as well. Like he has value, but the problem we have, of course, with him is defensively where he does struggle. Now, all these advanced metrics did like him a lot. LeBron loved him, 94th percentile. Raptor had him at a plus 0.6. But again, that F, F grade 19th percentile for defensive Raptor is, is rough. Box score plus minus hated him defensively. LeBron wasn't as harsh, but of course, it's still a real problem. And the lack of steals, the lack of um, assists, the, the fact that he doesn't hit any threes is obviously a concern for overall fantasy. But I, I just would have to say that this is probably going to be the best Ennis Cantor we see uh, for the rest of his career. Offensively, look at all these A's and dark blues here in effective field goal percentage and true shooting and points per possession. Like that's all really, really strong because he's post stuff and he's pick and roll play. Yeah, really good. But of course, it's, it's the other side of the ball where the uh, where the problems tend to lie for Ennis Cantor. Let's talk about Carmelo Anthony, who played almost 25 minutes tonight. Uh, to me, that's it's just too many. Um, he's not good enough to be doing that at this point. He's and this is not to take away anything from the legacy of Mallow. He's just not this good anymore. 25 minutes, 22 points. Uh, fantasy points. That's 165th in uh, Yahoo leagues, 166th in category leagues. He was drafted at 134. I don't really understand why he was drafted at all. 13 points with only three rebounds. He hit two threes, 0.7 steals, 0.6 blocks. That's always going to be a lack. No assists, poor field goals, 42% from the field, 89 from the line. Um, but he's 37. Like, why are we tasking Carmelo Anthony to have um, this many uh, minutes, this many shot attempts at the age that he is at? 22 usage is too high, and he just shouldn't be out there for as long as uh, for as long as he was this year. I just think that was a poor. You know, I don't know at times there were you know, injury issues that Terry Stotts had to deal with. I just don't think it was the, uh, the the optimal decision that he needed to be to be making. We know he can still uh, score. We know he can do that. Um, what did he hit his threes at? 41%. That's great. And we'd love Mallow to take you know, probably a few more threes as well. That would be great if he get his three-point attempt rate up somewhat. One-on-one um, -on -one player, he's fantastic. But yeah, defensively, passing, all that stuff is a real struggle for Carmelo Anthony. And we've seen that from him in the past. It's not, it's not anything new for me to be telling you there. LeBron hated him. Like 14th percentile, negative two. That's, that's a really poor number. Raptor, he was down 35th percentile because his defense is so bad. And his offense, while it was good, it wasn't absolutely elite. So the advanced metrics really don't like Mello. Even like his efficiency numbers over here, like that's pretty rough on his effective field goal and his true shooting. He still does well in terms of some of the offensive points per possession stuff. Uh, no, no good as a pick and roll man, of course. Um, you know, good as a putback player, but his isolation stuff and one-on-one -on -one play is still at a really, really high level. But, you know, we shouldn't be tasking Mello with the sort of role that he had. Let's talk about Derek Jones Jr., who came across to be 
Yeah, that defensive starter. And he started for big chunks of this season and then not only went to the bench, but was taken out of the rotation entirely. He played 58 games, 22.7 minutes per game. He was drafted as well. I didn't really understand that because to me, he's just one of those guys that is consistently overrated as a player and especially as a fantasy guy. 16 fantasy points, 278th, 267th in categories. He cannot score. He cannot shoot. Um, he, uh, just, he's only 24. I think the contract looks rough now. He blocks shots well. He defends well. He doesn't do that consistently enough in my mind to make him a good player. But those blocks can be really useful when he is playing as a stream type fantasy option. But he just doesn't do uh, doesn't do it enough and doesn't do it consistently for me to get too interested in him in the future. Now, again, I don't know whether... The, um, I, I think he picks up the player option. I don't know if they look to trade him or anything along those lines. But it was obviously a pretty poor year overall, I think, from Derek Jones Jr. Great roller, terrible shooter, good defensive player. Like, we know that that's who he is. Like, he is a really good defensive player. And uh, it just wasn't able to come together. And whether that's, you know, if he's back and then that new coach really values him, we could see him coming in and playing 29 minutes a night, averaging 1.5 blocks and 1.2 steals like a Robert Covington, but without any sort of offensive ability whatsoever. But defensive versatility... He's really, really strong at doing that sort of stuff. Advanced numbers, I didn't really like him. Defensively, they love him. Look, his defensive RPM like through the roof. His defensive wrapped are really high. But offensively, he's such a liability that it is a real problem. Now, you look at his true shooting. Well, he's he's a you know, 58 true shooting, which is a really good number. But it's the versatility of what he does. He's he's not good. Like He can't shoot. He can't do much more than, than roll to the rim. He can't handle the ball. They are all of the concerns I think we should have when we look at Derek Jones Jr. Let's look at Anthony Simons now, who, again, played quite a significant role as one of the three men off the bench. Defensively, he still does have some pretty large um, concerns. Um, and even as a fantasy player, I'm still not convinced with him. 17 minutes a game, 64 games. He averaged 13 fantasy points. He was outside the top 330 for both category leagues and points leagues. He hit his threes. That's that's what he does. He went for, what, 1.9 threes in his, in his eight points per game, 81 from the line. But the assist numbers are terrible. The defensive stats are rough, 1.4 assists, 0.3 steals. Like, they are really quite poor numbers. Um and yeah, we look at his you know, his advanced numbers. They're not the greatest either. We can look at what he did here. Like the shooting stuff, I think has got some some ability. His passing and playmaking, I do think there is some ability for him to improve there, but it hasn't really translated into assist stats just yet, which is really what we need for fantasy. I can see his role improving next season. What did he uh, play per game, Simons? Yeah, 17 minutes. I can see that improving next year, but so much of that can depends on what happens with Norman Powell and if they're just happy to move on from McCullum and play Simons and Lillard together. Although, again, you run into that same problem of two smaller guards who can't defense. I don't really know whether that um, whether that fixes any of those uh, issues at all. But he does have some ability that he's flashing. He is only 21, so that's obviously a pretty huge positive in terms of where he is uh, development-wise. But I wouldn't be putting huge amounts of faith in him. You look at these, look, 8th percentile for LeBron. Like that's, that's really quite poor. 29th for Raptors, not particularly good. Um, box score plus minus doesn't hate him. He's in the negative 1.3 range there, but you know, real plus minus 16th percentile. Like all of the impact metrics really, really dislike what Anthony Simons can do. Like really, really like him. Uh, oh, sorry, really, really dislike him. They just don't think that he is a, uh, a particularly good player. Um, there is still some hope. Uh, from a fantasy point of view, I see him being, if anything, an empty scoring and threes type guy with some poor efficiency and really subpar stats in other areas.
Let's talk about Nasir Little now, who you know was a guy that had some real struggles in his season in college. We know that. Um, I thought flashed a few little things in his rookie year, but then yeah was sort of pushed down the pecking order with Jones and Covington and Kamalo Anthony getting all those wing minutes. Just 13 minutes a night, nine fantasy points outside the top 400. We didn't really get to see a huge amount from Nasir Little this year. 4.6 points per game, 2.7 rebounds, not much in the terms of defensive stats. He hit 35% of his threes, so that's not terrible. But you know, where where does he go from here now heading into his third season? Again, we've got a new coach coming on board, so things could definitely change with uh, with where yeah, he's valued or where he's viewed. But there are just so many of these wings ahead of him at the moment that, that I'm not really sure you know, we're going to get huge, huge steps forward. Good finisher. Shooting is a real problem. He's more of a four than a three. He is still just 21. And when's he turning? Uh, well, he's not turning 22 for quite a while. So that's a positive. Um, yeah, good mover, but needs a lot more in terms of shooting to to come through. And I think defense, defensively, he's held his own okay. But look, again, the impact metrics, they're not particularly impressive. 20th percentile RPM, 17th LeBron. 17th in Raptor, like all those numbers absolutely hate him. And that is a concern. I still think there's room for growth. I don't think he will be a great fantasy player in the future. Let's talk about Harry uh, Harry Giles here. Let's talk about Harry Giles now, who is a guy that many people like, and they're always hyped about him, even when like, oh, Nurkic is down, it's time to grab Harry Giles. Like I heard that so many times, right? He just isn't that good. And I think we're at that stage where we can feel... Not good about it because we don't want to give up on a, on a bloke because of injuries, which has obviously been the, the issue there. But yeah, I think the hope of him ever developing into a starter, uh, I think you can move on from that. Nine minutes a game, nine points, outside the top 400 for categories and points leagues, nine fantasy points that is. 43 uh, field goal percentage for a big man's pretty rough. He averaged you know, 2.8 points with three and a half boards, steals and blocks at a, at a relatively low level. He just sort of is what he is now at best, a backup big man. Um, but you know, not someone that we can really have any any huge level of faith in. I, I wouldn't have thought as a as a future player. Like defensively, good rebounder, not a bad interior defender. Can has shown flashes of being able to pass, but just the injuries and the inconsistency for him. I'm not completely ruling out that he can't be an impact big off the bench. But at this point, I think we have... Look, they, they just went away. They didn't even play him. They just said, oh, we're just going to play Hollis Jefferson or Covington at center instead of playing Harry Giles when Nurkic went out. There is a... He's got a lot a lot to show to to improve from here. And look, the, the impact metrics, again, would probably tie in to um, you know, what his value is as a player. They'd, and in saying that, they don't like him. Yeah, he's not good in really any of these metrics. So his defensive LeBron came out really high at a plus 0.9. So that's something to at least uh, to at least note. But it wasn't really reflected in uh, in many of the other numbers. Let's talk about CJ Allaby now, who was a second-round pick, who I thought that was a pretty decent pick to get him at that position. We didn't really get to see huge amounts because, again, he's a wing, and yeah, we've got to give those minutes to Carmelo Anthony and uh, and Robert Covington and Norman Powell and Gary Trent before he was traded and Derek Jones before he was out of the rotation. So we didn't get in Nassir Little. He played six minutes a game. He averaged almost five fantasy points, 495th-ranked player in category leagues, um, and just didn't do a huge amount to make me think, well, this is a guy for the future. What did he hit? 21% of his threes? But I'm not, I'm not completely ruling out CJ Allaby. 
being able to be a a useful a useful enough player. I'm not I'm not completely going to rule that out. He's um yeah he he was able to to put up you know, his his hog rate was really high if you look at that. But you know as as, as a playmaker, there's some improvement there. His isolation effective field goal percentage was all right. We still got to develop him. He's only 20, and I, I don't hate him as a guy that can develop into a 20 minute a night backup wing player. But I'm also not, I'm not, you know, sold on it as something that's definitely going to happen. Um, the impact metrics—they're not bad, but again, he played so few minutes that it is hard to get too excited about what he can bring. And his true shooting at 47 is, is a horrible number. Pretty obviously, his points per shot, you know, 17th percentile, 1.03. Pretty horrible numbers there for CJ Allaby. Now, I'm not going to talk at length here because we've been going a long time already about Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, TJ Leaf, or Kalijan Blevins. If you want to hear more about them, hit me up on Twitter. I doubt that you do. But what, just let me know. What did you think about this new uh, presentation on YouTube and some of the new numbers that I was throwing in there as well? Hopefully, things start to improve and crystallize over the next couple of shows. Let me know. And you can do that. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts and let me know what you think, but you can drop a comment also on the YouTube video. But more importantly, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app on YouTube. Hit thumbs up, hit subscribe, hit the notification bell. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Hello there.